despite everything, gets thrown into confusion. Because I had a phone call last night to Alec and had determined that we were speaking on Ezekiel 24. And I've had an argument all day to the point I've actually brought two sets of notes and feel and kept right to the last minute before I made up my mind what I would share with you. And so what you're going to see up there will not be reading, so you can just leave that off. I felt led to change and go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 3 and from verse 14. And the reason I felt like this over these last few days, even down in Bournemouth, when everything was in a pleasant environment, one of the things that concerns me a lot these days is, There's a lot of Christians who are struggling. And a lot of Christians, even although they are part of a church, they feel very much alone. And I know that because they've come and told me. And sometimes others may not know all that we face and all the struggles that go on within. We may tell no one. And so... The reason we've gone here is because I hope that this will serve to be an encouragement for you as we consider some verses from Ephesians chapter 3. So we'll read from verse uh, 14. Ephesians 3 from verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints What is the breadth and length and depth and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father God, as we turn now to your word, we ask very simply that what we know not, you would teach us. What we are not, you would make us. What we should be, you would show us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure we're all fairly well aware of the book of the letter of Paul to the church in Ephesus. And it's one of these letters that's split in two. The first chapters speak of Paul's emphasis is that we would be enlightened as to the truth. 
of the gospel. And there are two great prayers within this epistle. And the second half of the book covers one of these prayers. And Paul prays that we would know the enablement that we need to live the Christian life. It's not just so much about knowing, though that is important. It's also about being. We can all have all the knowledge in our head, and it can be very academic. But that knowledge, as someone once said to me, must make the journey from the head to the heart, so that we can live in the light of what the scripture tells us. And I'm sure you know that this letter was one of those that was written when Paul was in prison. These two prayers that are within the book are often referred to as the prison prayers. And an increasingly selfish world. The tendency is when we pray, it's all about me and mine and what I need and what I want. And sometimes also our prayers can focus simply on the physical needs or the temporal needs. But we must also be aware of all the blessings and all the riches that are available to us that enable us to live the life that we ought to live in the world which we find ourselves. We must learn to behave as Christians and to battle like Christians. And I don't mean in the business meeting state of affairs when we say battle. The spiritual battle that we are in, the soldiers of the Lord that we are as we go through our everyday life. Paul's prayer is addressed to the God and Father Of our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people come to me and they say. I don't really know how to pray. And I often say to them. Well if you read the scriptures. Generally speaking prayers in the New Testament. They are addressed to the Father. Through the Son. And in the Spirit. And I also usually say. Are you able to hold a conversation with a friend or a colleague? And the answer, 99% of the time, is yes. And if that's the case, then that person knows how to pray. Because our prayers are a conversation with a loving, heavenly Father. You see, the secular theologian, would present the teaching of the universal fatherhood of God. And what they mean by that is that no matter what our beliefs are, what religion we follow, etc., etc., in the end of the day, it will all work out, we'll all be in the same place, because God loves us all. The only true bit of that is that God loves us all. He loves the world. He loves the sinner. But not all will end up where they may 
expect to be. Verses 16 to 19, the petition that we find there, there's four specific requests. And we must be very careful that we don't isolate them and we don't separate them because rather like a telescope with however many lenses are in them, each lens plays a part. One request leads to another. He prays that the inner man may know spiritual strength. And my goodness me, that's what we need in the world in which we live. Especially in our part of the world where Christians are being marginalised, pushed to the background, no longer asked for their opinion on anything. And that will in turn lead to a deeper experience with and of Christ. And the deeper experience that we have of Christ, that will enable us to get a hold of to To comprehend the full measure of the fullness of God. Verse 16, Paul's prayer is for strength. Now the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is evidence of salvation. But the power of the Spirit is our enablement for Christian living. And it's this power that Paul has in mind in this portion of the letter. If you and I were to try to live our Christian life without the enabling or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I would say that most of us would give up by Wednesday because we wouldn't have the strength for the battle. And Paul has in mind here to to remind the readers, or as it would have been, these letters would have been read out uh, in various church circumstances, the, the hearers of this letter that the only source of the power that they need for Christian living is from God and nothing else. Someone once said, If God took the Holy Spirit out of this world, most of the things that Christians do would carry on. And there may be a certain amount of truth in that. If we were to live a a week without knowing the, the power of the enablement of the Holy Spirit, we would know the difference. You see, the Holy Spirit... When when we speak of the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everyone takes in a sharp intake of breath because they think, oh no, he's charismatic. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not. But we are talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's not something to fear. He's not someone that we should avoid. You see, Christ returned to glory. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was sent into this world. Every single person who becomes a Christian, they experience new birth when they repent of their sins and ask the Lord 
for salvation. And they are indwelt from that moment on by the Holy Spirit. I don't believe you receive the Holy Spirit at a later date somewhere down the road. There's a great danger in that one that it creates a division among God's people because immediately you have those who supposedly have not and those who supposedly have. If we have truly repented of our sins from that moment on, they are born again of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our being. That is what the scripture tells us. And he is our source of power. Our source of enablement to live the life. And it's important to notice that it's a marvellous truth really. God doesn't give the Spirit's power out of his riches, but according to his riches. And there's a big difference, and let me explain. If I were a billionaire, and that's not likely to happen, and I gave you £20, I would be giving you out of my riches. If I gave you £5 million, I would be giving according to my riches. The, the first being a portion, the second proportion the power that's available for the inner man now when we speak of the inner man it's that spiritual part of mankind where God dwells now you remember that in, when creation took place and yes I do believe in creation when God made man he breathed into Adam's nostrils and man became a living soul that is when we were given that spiritual dimension and it's the inner man that, well, the, the Bible says, for the sinner is dead. Becomes alive when Christ is invited in. The inner man can see. Psalm 119, verse 18. Hear. Matthew 13, verse 9. It can taste. Psalm 34, verse 8. Feel. Acts 17 verse 27. The inner man must be exercised. First Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8. And the inner man needs fed. Spiritually. Matthew 4 verse 4. You see the outer man, the body, is wasting away. I don't know of many people who look in a mirror and are particularly happy with all that they see looking back. With each month and year that passes, things change, we get older, and if the Lord tarries one day, we will leave this scene of time. May well be, of course, that we'll be caught up before then to meet the Lord in the air. And Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we may fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal 
And it's that inner power that makes the believer, and I use the word guardedly, succeed in their Christian life and experience. Let's take it a bit further. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit empowering the inner man? I'll try to explain. It means that our spiritual faculties are controlled by God. Now that means, of course, that we have vacated the driving seat. And if your experience in your Christian life has been anything like mine, there's been times where we have tried to retake the driving seat of our life because we think we know better. But the only chance we have of living a life for the glory of God is that if we step to one side and let the Lord Jesus Christ take total control. We will become more like him when we read the word. When we are understanding of the promises of God's word. Yes, and indeed the warnings of God's word. But as we yield our life to him and allow him to take control, we are then ever deeper Controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Now the flip side is this. If we are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Then we as Christians are not in fact living for the glory of God. If we are driving forward our own agenda. For our Christian life and experience. Then I remember when I was doing my driving test. The, The examiner said, when I hit the dashboard, stop. And I was so pent up, he hit it. And despite having his seatbelt on, he just about scalped his head off the window. And I would encourage anyone who is not allowing the Holy Spirit to control their life to do an emergency stop. Now. And reconsider. When we are in that right relationship with God, our prayer life and our worship life will take on a new meaning. When we endeavor to live that life that is clean for the glory of God, we will sense his presence. And what God wants to see in the life of every single believer is loving obedience. Secondly, Paul's prayer is for depth, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Three pictures to convey the idea of spiritual depth. Three pictures that are hidden in the three verbs dwell, rooted, and grounded. Now that word dwell means to settle down and feel at home. Now it goes without saying 
that as Christians we know that Christ is resident in our hearts. Paul knew that. And he knew that these Ephesian believers knew that. But what he was praying for was that that recognition of who, who they are would enable them to deepen their relationship with God. He refers to them as saints, which indeed we all are, if we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he wants us to see is that Christ should find it easy to be comfortable in our lives. And I had to run that one past myself a few times when this came into my mind. Can I honestly say this evening that the way I live my life, Christ would feel comfortable being resident there? He should. <coughs> the other option doesn't bear thinking about because like with any other friend or husband and wife that there's a bit of an argument and things get a bit heated and things are not as settled as they should be there's that feeling isn't there that it's just not right until the situation is addressed and peace is restored. And there are sometimes experiences in our Christian life where we may feel that things are not quite what they should be. That we don't feel just as free to come into God's presence as we should do. And that's not his fault. Sometimes it means that there is an issue in our own life that we need to get right. So that he may find comfort being resident in our life. The second verb is rooted, comes from the plant world. <coughs> I remember some years ago we were up in Orkney and if you've ever been there, there's precious few, few trees and the ones that are there are bent over quite significantly because of the wind. But they stay standing, albeit at an angle, because of the root that are deep <coughs> under the soil. And of course it's from the soil that the nourishment comes. That enables the trees to be fruitful and grow. If we want to know power in our Christian experience. There has to be depth. There are too many places. And this is an observation not a criticism. Where it, it is indeed happy clappy and a little bit of dancing here and there. And it goes on for an hour and then there's a 10 minute or 15 minute epilogue. And then everyone goes home. No depth. And that's fine. Till you get to the Tuesday and the trial comes. And there's nothing to fall back on. It is only when our roots are deep in the soil that we'll be able to stand against the attacks of the evil one. And boy, does he attack. The third verb is grounded. An, archi an architectural term. It refers to the foundations on which we would build a building. Now, my dad was a civil engineer and wanted me to be one too. And I had absolutely no interest whatsoever 
in any of that. But I know enough to know that if you want to build a house, you don't just put the bricks down on the grass. There has to be that foundation that is laid, that is fairly deep, because the deeper the foundation, the further up you can build. And trials will come. Troubles will come. And these things will test our experience. And Christian maturity is not gauged during the times where everything is wonderful. Oh no. Our true maturity can be seen when the going is hard. And sometimes you feel yourself saying to the Lord, Why? He doesn't always answer that one. But the measure of our maturity is how we fare when the going gets tough. Paul's next request for these Ephesians is that they may comprehend more of God's great love for them. Now, there's a Latin word for the English word comprehend. But I'm afraid my Lanarkshire accent and Latin don't go tremendously well together. And so we'll not even mention it. But, one of my likes, when I have time to watch the television, you may have seen the programme yourself, it's called Monkey Life. And it's a place way down south and they take all sorts of, of, of monkeys and apes and whatever. It's a huge place. And one of the, the breeds that they have is a monkey that has a prehensile tail, which means its tail virtually is a fifth limb. And these monkeys can rarely touch the ground. They can move in the treetops for miles and they use the tail to keep them fixed to the branch. And that tail can wrap around the branch and secure the whole weight of the animal as it feeds from the trees below it. Fixed. Strong. And sometimes... We find it very difficult to comprehend humanly what happens to us. But if our lives are firmly fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, while we may not grasp all that is going on, we can rest in the fact that he knows that he will enable us and if it means that there is loss to be suffered, he will comfort us and build us up. But you know, the tragedy is it's very possible to understand something and not make it our own. And it happens all too often in Christian circles. 
And Paul's concern was not only that these believers would lay hold of the vast expanses of God's love and God's blessings and God's power, but that they would live in the light of it. And that is the same desire that God would have for each and every one of us here this evening. Remember when God called Abraham? I'm sure Abraham's family must have thought he'd lost his mind. He was leaving all that he had known in a culture that was quite far ahead with regards to living and buildings, etc., than anywhere else in the then known world. And Abraham was told that he would go to a land that God would give him. And when he got there, he was to walk through the land in the length and the breadth of it. Abraham had to take that step of faith. When he set off at first, he didn't see the land. He didn't even know where that land would be. But God called him and he took a step of faith. And God calls us. To take a step of faith also. To walk out on the spiritual square miles that he has given us. If I can put it that way. He wants us to live in the joy of our salvation and everything that is attached to it. And today we have an inheritance to claim. It's up to us how much of it we want to explore and we want to enjoy. Four dimensions to it, breadth, length, depth and height. All brought together and kept together by the love of God. Paul wanted us to know personally the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. We'll never, this side of eternity, be able to sit down and say, well, Lord, I understand it all. I don't think we'll even scratch the surface. The love of God that passes knowledge and the unsearchable riches of Christ. We could use the strongest computer in the world And enter in these two details and it could never calculate the love of God. I remember many years ago I used to work in a menswear showroom in Glasgow. There were two rooms. There was the room, if I was looking for a suit or a pair of trousers or a jacket where I would have gone. In other words, the cheap room. And there was another room. And when folks came in the door, they were looked upon and it was a case of, well, if it looked as if they had money, they went to the room where everything was more expensive. And I remember one day there was this man came in and his jeans were torn and his training shoes looked, well, past their best to say the least, not particularly well dressed. And he managed to get past everyone and he went to the deer room. And someone went along and said, Sir, I don't think you'll be able to afford anything from here. It turned out he was rather well healed and he bought 20 suits 
from the dear root. You see, they were looking on the outward only. They didn't see who he really was. And I tell you that story because men and women, as we go about our business as believers, they look on the outward appearance. And I wonder sometimes what they see. Do we have a true reflection of who Jesus is and what he's done on our behalf? I'm often concerned sometimes, and I hope that I never ever put anyone off coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because I have behaved in a way that was not right for me to do. Equally, as believers, it means that we don't have to worry about being inadequate. Because if we are trusting in Christ, then we have all the riches. We can go to the dear room and enjoy God's blessing. If we pray for spiritual strength and depth, then we'll be able to comprehend or get our hands on all of the resources of God of his love, of his grace. What was it Paul writes elsewhere? I can do all things. Small word. All. Through Christ who strengthens me. What's that speaking of? Fullness. The Christian need never be spiritually poor. We can enjoy, yes, the fullness of Of the Holy Spirit. And as we yield to him. We will come to an understanding of of the greatness and the majesty and the love and the care of the Savior who died for us. But our hearts need to be settled. I was going to say on one thing. That would be wrong. On one person. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, to a certain degree, the Christian is already made full in Christ. The blessings are there. But we then must practically enjoy them. Like having something of value and you hide it away and don't use it. And what we should do is Bring it out and enjoy using such a thing. All the resources to live the life, we've got them. They're at our disposal, not because we deserve them, but because God promised to give us them. And it should never be a case in our Christian life that we just get by. It should not be a case that we just get to heaven by the skin of our teeth. I think the problem was that probably 20, 30 years ago, someone started the rumor that if you become a Christian, everything in your life will be wonderful from then on. I don't know if you have found that to be untrue, but I certainly have. Things have gone wrong. There have been difficult times, but the Lord never, ever leaves us. 
As we come to verses 20 and 21, having considered and contemplated the marvellous spiritual experience and, yes, spiritual possibilities, it's no wonder that Paul bursts out into a marvellous doxology. Now unto him that is able to do above all, abundantly above all, exceedingly abundantly above all. That's to bring to our attention the vastness of God's power as found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Far above all. As far as we can even imagine and further. Above all that we can ask or think. Beyond human measurement and understanding. But nonetheless all that we need to win the victory. In the Christian experience. And the word translated power. Is often referred to as Dynamis, dynamite, that's not entirely right. It's actually dynamo. When dynamite is blowing, it's blowing. When a dynamo is going, it creates light or power, whatever it is it's required for. It also speaks of energia. Now, it's very easy to imagine that's where we get our word energy from. But it's very possible in our Christian experience that that power can lie dormant. It has to be an effectual power. It's a bit like plugging a lamp in but not putting the switch down. And as we would yield our all to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we would open up our being to the, the Holy Spirit and his enabling and his empowering, then we will know what it means to live a blessed life. I'm old enough to remember the power cuts in the late 1960s. You can still smell the paraffin lamps and heaters. can't remember why there were power cuts, but someone can maybe help me with that. But nonetheless, the power would just be off. Sometimes for hours and end. And I hope that we never, as Christians, put ourselves through a forced power cut, spiritually speaking. And the cause of that could be one or two reasons, unconfessed sin, careless living, worldliness in action or attitude. All of these things rob us of our power. And the Christian that is not walking in step with the Spirit and knowing the power of God on a daily basis, such an individual is not overly useful to God in this world. And let me tell you something. If you are being useful to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm sure you are, you can guarantee that Satan will attack you regularly. He's not interested in those who are doing nothing. He's interested in those who are seeking to live the life. Why does God share his power with us? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. 
Is it so that we can have great churches that build up our own glory? Is it so that we can boast about our own achievements? Absolutely not. To him be glory in the church. No one else should get the glory within the church. According to John 16 verse 14, the Spirit of God was given to glorify the Son of God. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was, is not here on earth to fill funny little buildings with people. It is here to bring glory to God. The main purpose of the church's existence is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else falls underneath that. And so, the sincere desire of our hearts should be to glorify God. Not destroying the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not Taking down another believer when they don't agree exactly with ourselves. That is when we will feel that we have grieved the Spirit. And it will seem as if God has stepped back just a little till we put things right. We need to remember that what we do in the here and now is preparing us. For the eternal realms, you will remember, of course, that in the millennium alone, when the Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns from Jerusalem, those who have been part of the true church, those born again of the Spirit, those who have been faithful, will be given responsibilities of service in the millennial kingdom. And the amount of our responsibility will be in accordance to our faithfulness in the here and now. And so, I'd encourage you this evening as we close to get your hands on all of your spiritual wealth. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit and let him use you for the glory of God. Praying with Paul for strength. In the inner man. For that new depth of love. For one another yes. But for the sinner out there. And then we will know. Spiritual. Fullness. As someone. Might be saying to themselves. If that power is available. How do I appropriate in my life. Let me leave you with a wonderfully challenging statement from the very practical epistle of James when he says this, you do not have because you do not ask. The Lord give, loves to give good gifts to his children. Let's pray. Father God, we do ask that even in these moments that you would give us the strength to look into all of our lives. 
And if there be anything that needs to be sorted out. A relationship that needs to be made up. That you would give us the strength to do so. So that we can be a good witness. And a good ambassador. For our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ. Because we ask it in his name. Amen. We'll sing our, our final hymn.